Good morning. Uh, welcome to the Continental Breakfast. Myself and Breton here on Sunday morning. I think it's about 10 o'clock. Is it what time is Breton? It is 10.05. 10.05 on Sunday the 4th of July. Um, the semi-finals have been decided for the Euros. We now know who the final four are. Italy against Spain on Tuesday night. And then Denmark against England at Wembley as well on Wednesday evening. Breton. Uh, does it look like even more now that it's going to be going home? <laughs> um, there's more of a chance of it going home. Um, I'll say that. Um, England looked impressive against Ukraine. Probably the best of looked so far. They have been a team who have got progressively better. I will say that throughout the tournament. Which, which is a good um, sign. That is a good sign. Um, I mean, I was listening to some of the five live coverage afterwards and, you know, they were saying and it was true that it's it was kind of a perfect performance for England. Um, that, again, you have to say, didn't concede and, ha- and haven't conceded in the tournament so far, which is very impressive, no matter what the opposition. Um, they scored four goals, they're scoring from set pieces, which was an issue for England. Um they rotated, players got rested, they were able to make changes. Um, Luke Shaw gets to rub it in Jose Marino's face, which is another good one. Um, their, their main man is scoring. Uh, you know, no suspensions. It's very, very positive for England. Um, but I'll also say that I don't... I think I would have expected them to beat everyone they've played so far. Um, they they are now going to come up against a tougher test in Denmark and a team which is very capable of scoring against them, which already will change the dynamic because they haven't conceded yet, as I said. So how they react to that, um, I still think, you know, although... They haven't conceded a goal. I still think their defence could be got at. It, it's just it maybe hasn't um, been tested as much. Even there, uh, when it was one 0 in the first half um, against Ukraine, there was you know chances. There was times that um, Ukraine broke through. You know, Yaramchik, um looked dangerous. There was one chance in particular, and he got down the left hand side and. Should have maybe done better, and that and that's the difference. You know, if there's better players there going through in those positions, um, and there there is guaranteed to be with, with the likes of of Dahlberg, Damsgaard, like these players that have been informed. Mela, we'll talk. I'm sure we'll Mela. talk about him. But yes, we will. Well, um, you know, there's an opportunity there for Denmark, and and Denmark will be. I don't think they'll overly. Fear England. Um, they'll obviously respect them and how good they've been um, <clears throat> over the last wee while and in this tournament so far. But um, England aren't unbeatable. Definitely, definitely not. No, I, th- I think I think it's it's hard to sort of cr- pick up criticisms when they've just won four uh, nil in the European quarterfinal, uh, and as you said, looked quite impressive in all ends. But there was those moments that you pointed out, especially towards the end of the first half, where down that, um, down Walker and Stone's side, 
they looked really vulnerable. Like there was a couple of chances, even one where Stones and Walker both missed the ball, and luck of the yeah. ball where it broke, they were able to get it clear. I think it went out for a, a corner kick in the end, and they were able to deal with it. But they, they the, like, and we've said this throughout the whole tournament that teams have been, you know, quite wasteful sometimes when they've got chances against England. They, ha- they do give you some chances. Pickford has made some decent saves. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. as well as that, and there has been some last minute. Intervention defending that has been quite good. Mount, Mount Track and Yarmolenko for that ball in. Uh, the chance shot by Breton was superb defending. And he was so composed as well, too, Mount. It wasn't, that wasn't where he should be. That should have been a race for Phillips. But Mount appeared, yeah. took the ball off and then passed out and then won it and they, and they managed to clear their lines. But <clears throat> it'd be interesting That's what he to see. That, that is what he gives you. And, and just on the England selection, like Mount, Mount was in. Jaden Sancho came in, took with Jaden Sancho a while to get into the game, but then once he did, yeah. and he settled himself, um, and he has to start going forward. I think I think that England, that England front three now is that's it nailed on. You can't be changing that. I don't think for their, if they have two more, if they have two more games left, you cannot be changing that. It, it really really works. Raheem Sterling has been superb all tournament. He has been England's yeah. leading man. Now you got Kane is scoring, but on the midfield. As Chris Waddle was saying, he said before the game, uh, five lives coverage, by the way, and I'm not saying this because I sort of freelance previously, five lives coverage has been unbelievable too. And I'd highly recommend anyone that can watch it on the iPlayer change it to the five live commentary when the game's on. It's just a better experience, trust me. Um, mm-hmm. Chris Waddle was saying that looking at that midfield, Rice and Phillips have been excellent so far, the whole tournament. Don't necessarily agree with that. And he was saying that, you know, there's no way Henderson or Bellingham can get in that team now because <clears throat> those two they just offer so much and they, and they shield and do so well and then at half time he pointed out to be fair to him Rice and Phillips haven't done anything here we haven't seen them yeah. why are they not getting on the ball now because England were looking ropey towards the end of the first half second half comes out Sterling and Shaw take over the game blow England away and then it's weird like England end up finishing the game with probably their best midfield <laughs> with Bellingham and Henderson like on yeah. paper, anyway, you think on talent way on paper, and it's, and and that is Southgate has played an absolute blinder here. Like regardless of what you think of him tactically, uh, uh, maybe his uh, his deficiencies or whatever going for like going forward, and maybe people don't think he really is that much of a world class manager. Luis Enrique Mancini probably better, but he's done so well managing this squad, and it's, it's every time a player has come into the squad, they haven't let him down. He really has a good harmony. They're very, very dangerous over the last four now. Um, I I really want to lead to win it. I've said it all along, but I was talking to Dad ever last night, and and my cousin Ben actually from um, from England, obviously over in, from he's living in Bristol now. Hello, cousin Ben. He texted Seth coming home, and I have to say, Brent, it kind of feels like it is going to be going home. They kind of look like they're in perfect harmony at the minute. They do, but um, and I, I think it's after such a positive result, um, there you know there's bound to be such hype and excitement. But um, I think you're right about Southgate. He's been brilliant throughout this tournament. He he really because it was at Wembley, everyone English got overexcited about the Germany game um, and the Germany result. And he was very quick to say, let's calm it down here. Um, we, we still have a lot to do. And you even saw that then after 
last night's game. I know there maybe wasn't that euphoria because it was not in England, it was in Rome and um, they knew they'd won the game from probably half an hour, 40 minutes before the end. But um, the players then, you could see them, I think um, Kane and, and, and Maguire were interviewed after and one of the first things Maguire said was, you know, he quoted exactly what Southgate had quoted after the Germany game, and he said, "I'm not. I don't want to be a party pooper," which is what Southgate said. But you know, we still have stuff to do here. They obviously got the World Cup semi-final um, against Croatia, and they want to go one further. Um, and I think they know now that really the the tough tests are going to start for them. You know, if they win it from here. They'll definitely have deserved it. They'll they'll need to improve again to play Denmark because we know how good they've been, how capable they are of scoring goals. And then, you know, you you would likely think that they'll be playing Italy in the final. We don't know. Obviously, they have looked more impressive, I would say, than Spain definitely. But it could go either way. England, I think, would have more of a chance against Spain. Um, but. It's um it's gonna be tougher tests I think for in the last couple of games if England make the final, and that Denmark game should be an absolute cracker. Denmark then, as you just pointed towards that game, uh, such a tournament they've had. They have been like the goal that they went through in that first game, and you could sort of feel like maybe some of the emotion came out last night and some of the players getting the semi final. Hoiberg mm. was very very emotional. <clears throat> After yeah. the game, uh, he's been superb for Denmark in midfield. So is Thomas Delaney. But <clears throat> yet again, played some brilliant football. They let Czech Republic back into the game a little bit, but then they started controlling it again. I was really impressed, Denmark, uh, Breton, and I think I said on the other show, I think there is an opinion that they possibly have been, well, they're in the last four, but even they've been the best team at times in this tournament. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's kind of hard to to argue against it. Um, when you think of what they've been through um, in that first game alone, and even afterwards, you know, when it, when everyone was unsure about what was happening with Eriksson and if he was going to be okay, that's definitely still in your mind. Um, and to to then, you know, come out of the group and put in such impressive performances and um you know really rely on on sorry you know go with the crowd and bring them on board um to score as many goals as they've done and then they really kicked on against Wales I thought they were fantastic to score another four goals after doing it against Russia and um <clears throat> look like I think I remember saying at the time, like that's the the best performance I've seen in this tournament. And yes, there have been some very good ones since. Um, but I think they've been the most impressive team. Um, even you know without what happened, to Ericsson, nobody. If Ericsson was in the side, you know nobody would have expected them probably to go this far with it, with the quality of teams that um that were around them. Uh. So I think they're still, they're definitely still riding on that wave of emotion. But also, they have such good quality in their side, and 
I think that should probably be given a bit more credit. I think like the when people talk about Denmark, they automatically it's hard not to you know go to um go to Ericsson and go to the emotion side of it, and that's what's carrying them through. But you know some of the performances, like if you've already mentioned uh, Delaney and Hoiberg, how fantastic they've been. We've talked about Kerr and Christensen and Vestager, that back three, and then you know the the quality brought in by. Damsgaard, Dahlberg, uh, but I think Mela has been just outstanding. Like the the level. This has been the full. This has been the fullbacks Euros. Like <coughs> yeah, the full the fullbacks have have, have, have been unreal. You Mela's Mela's assist, Brenton. Like Euro centre oh. forward uh, yeah. of the ilk of Casper Dahlberg in the Middle Eastern League. Some call you the Giroud, but whatever. Um, and like if that was put on a plate from you. By um, what do you call him? <laughs> I can't remember. Plays off for you. I can't remember his name again. Sorry, uh, Mickey. Grimbles. Mickey Corrigan put that, uh, or Grimmels put that in for you. Sorry, but this is Sandy Hill chat, folks. Sorry to deviate here. Uh, this is local football. You, like it's such. I couldn't believe it. Like my mouth actually dropped at this. Like he's playing on the other side and thinking, oh, I'll put him on his right hand side. What's he gonna? Oh, hang on. Like Sue Fowles, like it's alright. He's going on his right hand. Ah, oh, balls. And yeah. it was just such an on. There's like charisma, such an unbelievable clip ball out there. But so brass neck of him to do it, like. <laughs> and Dolberg, Dolberg, Dolberg was like, I can't believe what what he stood up and just looked at. Uh, I think it was Damsgaard was Damsgaard him to him, just like a pass unreal. <laughs> and then they both ran yeah. the mela. And yeah, Luke Shaw right. last night, obviously for England with two assists, but like Spinazzola, you know what's happened? Obviously, you haven't him and how good he's been. Like, yeah. marauding fullbacks have took this tournament over by storm. Yeah, you're you're right with um, you know with Spinazzola, Shaw, Mela, obviously. But going back to that that Mela pass, like the you could you know that it's special pass when they'll all the team go and celebrate with the person who's assisted. Yeah, you know rather than the person who scored. <laughs> um, as you say, like Dahlberg had to actually run to Mela because. Everyone's head was just blown off by how good that ball was. Um, I mean, that it, it, it really is. If you look up, put it on a plate in the dictionary, that's what it'll show you. Like, you know, it, it would have been rude for Dahlberg to miss that because of how delicious the ball was. Um, it, it, it was just superb. Um, and, you know, that's where I'm talking about um, that. English right-sided um, backline could be in for a threat. Walker and Stones, as you've already pointed out, they have at times looked dodgy, and there's a communication issue definitely because Karen Carney keeps talking about it on Five Live between Pickford and the backline, and it's they've got no, away sorry, so far. Sorry to cut over, sorry to cut over, Brent. You know what it is? Juliet Farrington kept highlighting this last night in Five Live. Pickford's off his face. Like yeah. what? Is, what? Like he's constantly roaring at them for. I get uh, a keeper, and we've all experienced it. Needs to shout and communicate. And keepers are a different breed. Keepers are a different breed. I get that completely. But there's sometimes last night he was just going mental, like he was too hyped up. And if that game was tight and he does that miss kick, you know, there's <laughs> like that. That's where one of his his, his laps comes in and. 
And you're so right here on that right, that right hand side, and then Pickford, people are talking about Pickford being, because he kept so many clean sheets and world class and whatever, and that's fine, and, and he does do, he does produce world class saves, but like, you're just waiting on the moment from Pickford. You're just still yeah. waiting on something happen. I actually, nec- I don't necessarily want it to happen to him, especially not in front of a full Emily, in front of that, because it's, it, it can wreck a player's career. As much as I don't like him, um, I don't want that to happen to Jordan Pickford, but you're just waiting on a print. You're waiting I don't on a think he, Yeah, I don't think he is world class, you know, but because of that, no. because we know <laughs> that he has something in him like that. Um, there's countless examples of it. Like, you know, you could, you, you, the big one that comes into my head, which he actually got away with, was the Van Dyke one. Stuff like that is in him. And if he does that in uh, as big a game as, as England or potentially two big games that England are going to play, if the pressure gets them, if he does something like that, he will likely, you know, ruin England's chances. And I think they just need to be prepared for the, not an onslaught, but the the shift in quality that they're going to be coming up against. They need mm. to be clued in England um, because Denmark are, are playing with no fear now. Um, the, back at Wembley, yes, they'll be, you know, England will be happy probably to be back home. Of course they will with their fans. But also I think we saw in Rome a bit more, they played with a bit more freedom. It's probably the best performance they've put in. There was maybe a bit yeah. less pressure. Um, but now, you know, the, it's back at Wembley in front of 60,000 fans. Um, the expectation will be on them to beat Denmark, um, definitely, and get to a final at Wembley. Um, and I think Denmark will... Um, will probably take on that underdog role of not being expected to win anyway, but being away from home as well, which is a rare thing in a in a semi final of a major tournament. So uh, um it's it's really intriguing to see what'll happen and I think they'll they'll cause problems, Denmark. On the the home thing and both games being at Wembley. I don't know if you saw this last night but a lot of Danish fans <coughs> were uh, weren't happy, and they were right to be happy. They're not to be happy, so apologies. Um, only five thousand tickets have been allocated to Danish fans, and you have to basically live in the UK to be going. So no Danish fans can come over because of Denmark's on. I think it's on Amber or whatever list it's on, so they can't come over because they have to quarantine. Mm. Uh, Ian Dennis did the comedy last night for Five Live. I don't think he can work now. And semi-finals because he has to isolate for five days when he gets home, and they're coming from Rome. Mm. Uh, so, no, Italy fans will be able to go, be able to travel. They'll have to already be based in England, <clears throat> likewise Spain. But UEFA dignitaries and VIPs don't have to do any of that. They can just come in and go as they please. Like it's not right. It's not right, and and this isn't me. We're we're I'm bored of being anti English here, and I don't mean it at all. But why have it there if you have to have these regulations? Like we're, we're already in a mad scenario here where COVID is still here. In fact, COVID's on the rise, <clears throat> especially in England. Again, why have the competition there? Why have the semi-finals there? Do you know what I mean? They could have had them yeah. in 
say Bucharest or Zenit again I know it's a bit of a, it is a humongous track Copenhagen yes that would have been for Denmark but I'm just thinking Amsterdam you know they could have had mm-hmm. them here and people might have been allowed people might have been allowed to travel in and out a little bit different you would have had a fair share of the of the capacity crowd now it is basically a home home game for England it's a full out home game for England now there'll be thousands in their sport in England and what's a, a, a small portion of it will be, be Danish. And it just doesn't feel right, like. No, and that is, I'm not having to go to England. That's not, that's not England national football team's fault. That's not their fault at all. Like, this is no. your FA and obviously what's been going on. It just, it just stinks. Uh, yeah, and I think the, the big thing there that you've pointed out is the, is the dignitaries. You know, it's, We've seen it a couple of times throughout this tournament. You know the um, the leaning towards the, the sort of the upper class, the the politics behind it, um, and it's it's you know it's plain to see um, the whole thing with the Germany stadium and the um, the pride flag and the lighting it up with the colours and the way they tried to release statement after statement to wiggle themselves out of that one and everyone knows what's going on behind the scenes what the reason really is for it and it's playing into people with money and power and you know they're just hiding behind the fact that people want to watch football which is disgusting really and it'll be the same again you know people will watch this game because they love football and it's um it's a really cowardly way to approach it um, when you should be doing right by fans and the people who actually make the game what it is um, and they're not doing that, they're filling their pockets and they're making it easy for for people that are in such a small minority who who have such big control over what happens in football and um, it does. It stinks. It's it's not nice when you think about that side of it. Um, but you know, as you said, it's not it's not England's fault. Um, it's not the England players or or the the fans' fault. Um, they're obviously benefiting from it. They're going to be happy about it. It does seem like it's playing into their hands massively. Um, and they'll they'll approach it like a home game and they'll probably take every advantage they can from it which you would if you were in their position um it just it doesn't feel right for for the supporters of all the other nations and i hope um you know i hope it doesn't have too much of an effect um we saw in copenhagen how uh, much of a difference the the danish fans made there um and it would have been nice to have a good representation of them in Wembley. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's, it looks like it's not going to happen. But Denmark, you know, we've seen it, can can put in performances away from Copenhagen. We've already seen it in this tournament. Um, I think um, in in Russia they played in, or when they played against Russia, they played in Baku, did they? Um, yeah. So it's, or Hungary maybe, but... Um, I hope that they can put in that level of performance again and 
we can see a, a good competitive match. Uh, but yeah, it's um, it's not great. Um, it could have been done much, much better, but that's that's always the case with UEFA. We're just kind of used to it by now. <clears throat> yes, and I'm sure on future shows we will properly get into UEFA. It might be something we'll look at at the end of this tournament. Uh, yeah, I think Steve the, probably wants to get in uh, there. Aye, I think he's probably the best man for it, to be honest. Um, I think that'll do us today, Brendan. We, we will be back uh, to cover the semi-finals and talk about them. Just a quick note before we move on and finish up for today. The four semi-finalists all played all their group games at home. There you are. There you go. Uh, and there you go. And then they've come through. But, leave um, there. Yeah, four cracking semi-finalists, to be honest. Two cracking games. I can't wait for it. We'll have you covered. Uh, enjoy it. Tuesday night is Italy v Spain. What a game that is. Forza Italia. Um, vamos, España. Whatever else is keeping them covered. And then obviously we have Denmark against England afterwards on Wednesday night, which is going to just cover everything in the media for the next couple of days, I'd imagine, here. Uh, folks, catch all of our stuff on Football Babble Pod. Get us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. Catch us on our podcast apps. Look for the Football Babble Pod. Brenton, do the Patreon link, please. Patreon.com forward slash Football Babble. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, folks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining in. Speak to us again on Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, and good luck.